one thing I did edit though was uh, I pulled the spoiler out of the last episode. Yeah, I know. I listened and I stopped listening at the moment that I didn't hear my spoiler. <laughs> now I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> you set that up perfectly, so that's on you. Um, yeah, hello everyone. My name is Nate Fleming, no longer executive director of Lakeland Live, founder of Swan City, founder of Lakeland Food Tours, and the brain behind Live Off the Cuff, a way to improvise your life uh, successfully. How, yeah. to, how to gain success through uh, making it up as you go, learning mm -hmm. to do it better. You already make it up. Why not make it up better? You know, mm -hmm. that's what we mm -hmm. say. And uh, I'm joined by my... Uh, my voluptuous co-host. I've been voluptuous before. You've been voluptuous before? Yeah. I'm joined by my um, short co-host, Joshua Sitta. I, I've been called short a lot lately. I'm you, interested in that. Not as tall as you think you are. I'm exactly as tall as I think I am. No. I've been this tall my whole life. Yeah, well, well that's, that, not true. that's a short tall. Yeah, a short tall. I Actually, never tall. I've never been called tall. Never been called short until... I don't know, last year, a couple years, last couple of years. And then before then, I was like just the average height guy. I, I'd call you the average guy. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've heard, but... I don't but, know about average height. You're, you're short. What is average height? I, I don't know. What is average height? For where? U.S.? World? I don't know. What are we going by? World? U.S.? For men in U.S.? Average height for man in the U.S. is five foot nine. That's I am exactly average. Yeah, but I'm six one, so you're short. Uh, okay, I'll take that. How was your show on Friday? Uh, I'm very proud of how far Spawn City Improv has come. We're in year four, and usually when team members leave, you hit slumps. Like you, you just man, the team is not as good as it could be. And that happened when I left two years ago? No, that actually lifted us up a lot. Um, and you've just been trying to figure out how to make it by without my... And it was real easy to make it by without you. Um, and it's it's amazing to see the team... T take that for the dumb comment, by the way. That's okay. a It's a tit for tat. We That's just ping-pong tennis matched each other. Okay, yeah. The team is now better or as good as the team we started with. But the only thing that you're missing is my comedy stylings and it's because of the past year where we've we got small chances to play um but we also have not had a, the piano player uh anthony for a while yeah and when he plays it's just re it's really easy to do good improv when there's piano underscoring everything and you can do songs um we've had to play for such a long time without piano again that the team has remembered oh there's mechanics to improv there's things you have to remember to do so now they they have really solid bass mechanic work like scene work is great and the piano just adds on top to make it that much better so that yeah. we've had now three solid shows in a row where there hasn't been any like massive dips in anything that's that is an achievement yeah it's crazy and it's crazy too that this is on the back of that this on the it's on the back. The, the pandemic has changed. You're, so, okay, let me say this. Swan City Improv, while you guys cut up and make jokes and make everybody laugh, it's also your business. Yeah. And I can't think of a business that has been more effective than the live comedy scene mm -hmm. uh, that by, by, by the pandemic. So now you're saying you got all the success on the back end of that. And I, I just think that's, you know, remarkable. Yeah, we're, we're actually um, stepping away 
from Lakeland Live, hopefully crossing our fingers to find our own home. So I'll find our own space that we can exist in. We can do more than just a monthly show and we can like really take the ideas we have for expanding the business and just blow it up and see what happens. So I'm, I'm pumped about that. Uh, I'm seeing a, a parallel here. We should have talked about this beforehand so I could say it correctly the first time, but how flexible, uh, how much you have to go with the flow with your business. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that, that that's kind of the way businesses are today, right? They're all having to react to the same stuff um, that you are. Um, they're having to send workers home and they're having to bring workers back in and they're going to, they have to make all these changes. Um, you know, the market is never going to be the same and you've got a subset of businesses who haven't been able to pivot, react, mm -hmm. um, go with the flow that are getting taken over by businesses who were just been able to say, okay, this is the new normal or, yeah. or forget what it even means to be normal. We're in a constant state of flux now. Yeah. Um, and, and my two cents on this, I, I've heard of a lot of businesses that pivoted away from offices yeah. and are trying to pivot back into them. And I'm like, that's stupid. I think it's stupid to pivot back into an office. There's got to be some businesses that need the office. Yes. There's some that I can agree with, but there's a couple of them from friends that I know that work. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we've been more productive at home. They just want us in the office so that managers can have a job. Um, we had a lot of people reach out to Citadel uh, when when businesses started getting those CDC regulations and saying, like, you can't have a gathering of more than six. Okay, well, we have 10 employees. How do we make this work? We have to send half of them home. We either give everybody a six-month hiatus or a year hiatus. Mm -hmm. Who knows how long the pandemic's going to be if, if you're in 2020. Two weeks is what they said. Uh, what? How do, how do we even make this work? Yeah. We had we had businesses reach out to us and say, like, uh, the cybersecurity, that's fine. I'm not particularly worried about that. What I'm worried about is... The fact that your computer's trying to take off in this room. You know like what? It's trying to activate shuttle mode and lift off. <laughs> Look, through the magic of editing, that's not even going to make it into the... Oh, you're going to edit? I'm going to remove that noise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but we had... What were we talking about? The, the, the problem is their transition into how long it'll be. Like, do we give them a six-month hiatus or... Yeah. We had people reaching out to Citadel from a... We understand that you know more about technology than the average technology provider. So is there something that you can do with your cybersecurity magic that can just give us a report of how productive our employees are? Which is which actually like we're talking about network security all in this podcast. It's interesting that we found this. Um because uh as often as we are talking about one of uh, the things that we talked about last week, the web content filter that yeah. goes on a firewall. Yeah. We get locked into this conversation with management do you want to use a security control to protect your network that's that's its intended purpose do you want to use this security control to try to make people more productive and our perspective at citadel is it is best if you leave the security to perform security work yeah and then if you have if you have problems with people who are spending all their time on social media you just need to talk to those employees. You need to you yeah. need to approach a culture problem rather than um, try to make a, a control that prevents people from being able to go to Facebook or whatever. Yeah. Because even if you use the security control to do that... They're going to pull out their phone. They're going to pull out their yeah. phone. 
Um, so uh, the businesses now that are trying to figure out how do we monitor productivity in a traditional means, or how do we even like score employees' effectiveness in a post-office environment workplace? God, I my personal thing on that is if you're getting the job done, I don't care what you do. You could spend 30 minutes in the entire work week and you've done all your work. Sure. The week is yours. I, The 40-hour work week is stupid to me. I think it's stupid. I think if you can get your job done, you're done. If there's more work to be done, do more work. What you are saying right now is wildly challenging for most businesses. It's, it, it is, but it shouldn't be. I know it, it gets rid of almost all of middle management. You no longer have someone whose job is just to hey, make sure that their output is, is good. Because that's not a job. It's just not. That's that's stupid to me. You're saying all middle managers just gone. <laughs> they don't they can they can learn to do something. Yeah. I think and I've always been this way, and I do it within my forty hour work week jobs anyway, and I don't feel bad or did it when I had forty hour work week jobs. If if the task is we need to complete 200 medical animation videos by this time, right? I then break down how much that is per week. I'm going to do six a week. Cool. I've done eight this week and it's Tuesday. Yeah. I'm not incentivized because they are measuring it by 40-hour weeks. I'm not incentivized to keep going because then I'll lose my job earlier. So instead, I now have four days off because I did it all on Monday. Yeah, so you're representing a very a popular for millennial workers perspective sure. and unpopular for whatever generation precedes that who owns businesses perspective. Yeah. Um, when I, Honestly, I think that small businesses, they would have an easier time adopting what you're saying because when you're small, it is so easy to tie everything back to what is, we got 10 employees. Mm -hmm. What is this one employee's impact on our bottom line? That's yeah. everything you do as a business. Yeah. It, it's got to be, it has to serve your bottom line. Yep. If I'm going to pay Nate, you know, whatever salary a year, I want to know he's busy. That doesn't serve your bottom line. No. I want to know he's met these goals or he has provided these services for us or he makes... You know, if if he's in customer service, I want to know that he doesn't miss phone calls. Yeah. Right? That that That's the goal that actually affects the bottom line. But I think that there's a lot of us who say, I don't want to pay a guy his salary just to sit around. And it's more work for us to figure out how we can provide other interesting work for you or put you on a path to professional development or figure out a way that you can create more value at uh, on on Wednesday after yeah. you've already met your self-inflicted quota for how many videos to to make, and and I think it's more difficult to do it my way. It is for the people in charge. It's it's different. The people in charge have to be engaged with their employees. Yeah, they have to they have to understand what's going on, not just from a here's the amount of emails were sent or the amount of work that was performed but it's the amount of value that was created and value is relational you have to understand you have to be so much more integrated with your workforce yeah and if you're somebody who has structured your business so that you have lines of middle management to to, to take that responsibility yep. off of you it makes it that much more difficult to be flexible yep
I think there's probably a way to make middle management make sense, but what it currently is of like a, uh, you 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 weren't on chat for ten minutes today. That means you were doing something else for ten minutes. It's like yeah. no, I wasn't on chat for ten minutes because I was working. Well, we have no way of verifying that. We run everything through whether or not you're online on chat. Mm-hmm. It's like well, that's so now my job is I just need to wiggle a mouse. On the cybersecurity subreddit, there was a a a uh, there was a post where somebody was looking for a way to detect PowerShell activity that keeps a computer from yep. going inactive. Yep. Um, it, it's it's funny because your workforce is responding the exact same way that you're describing. Yep. Oh, I need to make sure I don't go idle on chat. How can I just make this computer keep itself from going idle? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's this thing I just Googled. There's a PowerShell script. I just went out to the internet and I said, hey, internet, what is the command that I have to run under my account to make sure my computer stays alive. And I copied and pasted whatever was in there. I didn't realize that PowerShell is like, it's like giving a toddler a handgun. PowerShell <laughs> can do anything. Yes. It could, It could. I mean, geez, the, there's a reason it's called PowerShell. You can grab passwords, you can manage yeah. user accounts, you can access data, you can exfiltrate data. In fact, a lot of the malware that's used today is all it's all written in PowerShell because they know that PowerShell is on your computer. Um, and I hear myself saying PowerShell a lot. And number one, that's because it's my favorite thing in the whole world. And then <laughs> number two, uh, it's it's something that our businesses have to become. They don't need to learn how to use PowerShell, but they have to learn that it is a tool that is integrated into every single computer that's that's on their on their network today. Um, certainly if they're using Windows computers, that can be used for them to enhance productivity. Or against them. Or super against them. So then that that's a network thing if someone can hop in and control your PowerShell. So that would be an endpoint thing, right? Because PowerShell has to be run on the workstation. Okay. And workstations we call the endpoint. Or the server or whatever the last device is. The device that's actually manipulating the data. The network plane, everything that's working on the network, that's all of the switches and routers and Mm -hmm. the stuff that wires get plugged into. Ports. In some cases, you can monitor for PowerShell activity on the network, um, but the best place to have an awareness of what's going on in PowerShell is uh, endpoint security. Okay. Yeah. Uh, But we do want to talk about networking. Yeah, I was attempting to get it there, Mm -hmm. um, but... I is dumb when technology cybersecurity. It gets hard. It gets hard once you start categorizing threats. I think today we should talk about network security threats. Okay. Last time we talked about uh, a bunch of, you know, kind of basics for security controls and that kind of thing to set the stage. Yeah. But let's talk about the why. Putting up walls in your internet. Why do we care about putting up walls in the internet? And lighting them on fire. Why do we light? Why do we use firewalls? <laughs> Um, uh, my mother was like, look, I listened to this firewall thing and I think I get it, but I don't. So I'm gonna listen to it again. And then I got some questions for you. She didn't, she didn't ask any questions. The, the summary of firewalls is you create. <sighs> yeah. So I, it's I, hard. it's I, hard to summarize this. I used the analogy again. I was like, it's not, it doesn't stop everything. Yeah. It just slows it. So you can, it's like, it's like you're putting 
literally in the house. They have the firewalls to slow the fire. It doesn't stop the fire. It just slows it so you have a chance to get it under control first. Using a firewall is a discipline. We've seen we've seen people who have purchased a firewall and they went and they set it up and they're like, oof, I'm good. I got that network security. I got that brand name firewall and it is in there and it is kicking. Hot but, stuff firewall. I sell those, by the way. Hot stuff firewall. Hot stuff firewall. www.hotstufffirewall.edu. That was the only one available. Right. <laughs> the yeah. others were taken. Right, yeah. It's a very popular it really name. Um, we've seen businesses go and, and get a firewall and feel like they have security, but it takes a discipline to put up those walls. Mm-hmm. Just plugging the box in, it's not going to do anything. It's just like real life. You will put up walls after someone has given you a reason to put up walls. I'm not following you. So... A lot of people. I'm. I'm just making up. I just wanted to say that. That's. that's uh, I'm. Just, I can. I can make it fit. Here we go. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I thought you were about to talk about my house and how it doesn't have any walls on the inside. Your house has walls on the outside. You got rid of all your walls. You were like, you know what? This place needs less walls. And then you did that. Uh, hurricane. You got, got rid, rid of, of all walls. the walls, and then you put up like one or two walls. We didn't replace the walls. Walls are expensive. I'm pretty sure Josie's room has new walls. Uh, we just closed a doorway. Really? Yeah. So that's the OG. That was a. That's I'd, that was the room. So there's the living room. So uh-huh. I'd, I'd step out of my room into small hallway that could have, in the old days, led to Josie's room, which is now the kitchen. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But if I would take a right, because that door was always shut. If I take a right straight from the bathroom, that's the living room. Uh-huh. And then I take a left through the arches. Yes. And that room is what Josie's room is. That's her room. It doesn't see if uh, it doesn't feel. Maybe you're right. And then you'd hard left into the mini walkthrough kitchen. Uh huh. And then on the back side would be another room that was the playroom. Yep. Dining room. Yep. With the with a picnic table inside. Yeah. Look, we were we were doing the best we could. <laughs> <laughs> you had a picnic table for a dinner table. That was you funny. you lived there when I was still working for the government. I I and I think I left. Just before I started getting paid, yeah, you started getting paid, so I didn't get to reap any of those businesses. Businesses benefits mm-hmm. is the word I was looking for. Yeah, but uh, I feel like people, they, I mean, I know they don't realize that a lot of your cybersecurity is you just need a human being to do it. Yeah, they want the tool, but they don't want anybody to swing that tool. Same exact way that I feel about my social media. Like I, I have post for me social media stuff. Yeah. I don't want to spend the time creating it. It's it's not my wheelhouse. I don't enjoy it. It's not fun for me. I'm right there so with you. So I I paid someone I pay someone like 200 bucks a month and they do the entire month worth of social media for two accounts using the tool I purchased. Uh-huh. And it's way better for me. Like yep. I I get engagement while I sleep. Uh-huh. I don't want to be on there. And that's their discipline. They're good at that it's stuff. Their world. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that they do. And I, that's the reason they can do it more cost effectively than if you were spending all of your time doing that alone. They spend two hours, three hours, and they're done. Mm-hmm. Me, I. You got me six hours, and I made my first post. Right. <laughs> like I'm not. I'm. It's. I'm not about that. Yep. It's I the same. That. You can do cybersecurity on your own, but how long do you want to spend on it? And at a certain point with a business, it's like. You got to measure th- your your currency isn't money, it's time. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, but in the interest of time, let's talk about uh, some some network security threats. 
the reasons that we want to use network security. That's right? interesting, he says, as he changes the subject. Why would we want to use network security online? What, what threats we got out there, Josh? Do I got to be a, aware of the internet leviathan? Is it going to come get me? <laughs> a big old leviathan on the internet that's going to reach his tentacles out, grab me around my throat, and pull me through my computer screen? Is that what we're worried about with network security? I think that's what you're worried about. Okay, maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> the rest of us, um, it, it's situational. Um, for for a lot of a lot of businesses who are now working from home, they're not concerned about their network getting compromised. They're worried about some kind of a cloud resource getting compromised. So all of a sudden, their network includes all of the the hops that somebody's work computer has to get to get to the internet. So that's you're talking about their their home network. You're talking about their um, the stuff through their ISP and the stuff through their their cloud service provider. People like like Microsoft or Amazon or Google or you know those groups. Mm-hmm. So really, once you start talking about the network security concerns of a business, you start talking about how do you how you have to individualize a network security plan for a business. What's good for my business is going to be a waste of your time and money on your business, and what's good for your business is going to be different from the next guy's. So you really have to start thinking critically about the different kinds of uh, the different network needs that your business has. So let's talk about like an e-commerce business. Okay. E-commerce business, everything is done through their website. They can't sell. They can't operate. They can't. They can't do anything with other website. Their customers need to have that that web portal to go to, and they have to be able to shop. The most critical security for them, it's not necessarily the firewall that's in front of everybody's computer, or we talked about the IDS, IPS. Yep. That could be a complete waste of time there because they're they're not working from a centralized network. They need this website to stay online. Yep. Well, distributed denial attack services, DDoS attacks. DDoS attacks. Do you remember do you remember that V for Vendetta movie? Yeah. Do you do you know about the hacking group that got inspired by that? Anonymous? Anonymous. Yeah. A couple of years ago there were all these headlines about how just random hackers who kind of worked together on this same team in America, all across the world, they called themselves anonymous and they would pull off really like low effort attacks. <laughs> and they actually they started calling this hacktivism and it was a lot of like website defacement stuff. And they would put the V for Vendetta mask on websites or whatever. Hard stuff for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Those guys perpetrated a lot of DDoS attacks. DDoSing essentially overloads, right? Yeah. It'll it'll overload a server, I'm guessing. You take, yeah, it's it's any many-to-one situation. So uh, in many cases, that's a server, but it could be a workstation. It could be all kinds of stuff. It could be a router. It could be anything. It could be a match in Apex. (laughs) It could be a match in Apex, yeah. Um, anytime you have a bunch of computers that work together to talk to one resource, uh, we'll say a computer. Anytime you have a bunch of computers that all talk to the same computer at the same time, that computer can get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And when it does, when too many people are talking in the room to the same computer, it can't hear anybody. Yeah. So, it, so it, essentially it's like having multiple children around you at the same time. Like that feeling you get when there's a lot of kids who really want your attention you become in like IRL, which is in real life, DDoSed. I mean, you're not wrong. 
it's it's definitely happened to me and my response is usually everyone needs to shut up i need to take this one at a time sometimes my kids hear this podcast on the way to school or the way back and if they're listening i love them and if they're not listening you are totally right they would drive you bonkers with the amount of times they would just say your name dad 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 at a certain point mm-hmm. i can't i can't do anything yeah cuz i'm overwhelmed by these people saying my name over and over again again unless they're listening and then i love them very much and they're never a they're never a hindrance to my life i mean i know my parents went through there were five of us so like they got ddos all the time yeah and i think explaining ddos that way for my mom to understand what that is is essentially your computer is you and this attack is coming from multiple areas which would be the children so not me but like definitely my older brother or younger siblings would do this to my mom i would never yeah do this to my mom this is i'm too good of a person yeah so if they all ask your web server in your e-commerce business if your website keeps getting asked a question over and over and over thousands of times a second it'll get overwhelmed too mm-hmm. um it'll knock the whole website offline uh, a lot of people call this the hug of death uh when when a website just it can't give anybody the page because everybody's asking for it at once then you've got yourselves a, a, a ddos situation um, that threat is difficult to remediate as it is going on. If you need a website and somebody knocks it offline, it's very difficult to pull it back online mm-hmm. while the attack is going on. So most people just say, like, you got to grit your teeth, you got to bear it. And in five, six hours, hopefully they'll move on to another target. Yeah. What you usually get in a DDoS situation nowadays is it's a lot like ransomware. Oh, hey, I noticed your website's offline. That sure is a shame. If you give us a bunch of money, we'll make sure it doesn't go off anymore. Like mafia type thing. It's real mafia type stuff. Hey, it'd be a shame if this business got burned to the ground. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly that, but from a digital angle. Yeah. Um, so if you've got a reliance on that website, you need to plan for that in advance. And you can use something called a... Content delivery network. There it is. <laughs> Your brain just got DDoSed. <laughs> Content delivery. Oh, yeah, that is a thing. I just Googled it. Content delivery network. Yeah. Or a CDN. A, a, a content delivery na- yeah, network. CDN. Yeah. A CDN will... Um, uh, it basically does... It makes all these different ways of accessing your website available. You're not just attacking one... You're not just saying, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad. Now you can say, hey, dad, hey, mom, hey, brother, hey, friend. You can talk to all these different resources who know the same information as your website. Hmm. So it puts your data in more than one place, and that makes it really difficult for it to be pulled offline. That's interesting. So that's what might make the most sense for like an e-commerce business who needs their website, but... For the next business who doesn't need their website, if it's not mission critical that their site is always online, then they don't care about that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're more concerned with the kinds of network threats that are going to steal their money or steal their passwords or give them a path to affecting their bottom line. Um, and that's DDoS. Oh, right. That it's was protecting DDoS. protecting from DDoS. Yeah. And using a CDN is a good way, especially for people who are like, my, my online shop is what I need to protect. Getting a CDN or figuring out how to how to uh, configure a CDN is the way to protect against DDoS. Yep, yep. 
What, one last note on DDoS is if everybody took their endpoint security seriously, if every every business, every consumer, every computer had great endpoint security, DDoS threats would be way less impactful because when I can install my malware on your workstation, I might not have a great way of getting money out of you, but I can take your computer and I can make it talk to uh, the PlayStation network. Mm-hmm. I know PlayStation needs to keep their network online, so I send all of my compromised workstations, every workstation I've ever been able to send malware to, and I make them all talk to the PlayStation network at the same time. Now that they're, you know, kids can't play games, I can send my ransom note over to PlayStation and say, hey, we can make all this go away, and all you have to do is give me 10 grand or 20 grand or whatever. It's like somebody using a zombie army. It's literally called zombies. Really? Yeah, a, a workstation that you compromise, but you're not, um, you, you can control it, but you're not monetizing it directly. I'm just making all of my workstations work together in a giant, we call them botnets, uh, as, as part of like a zombie army that we send at, at, a, That's so crazy. at a resource. So we just have to make sure everybody has the zombie vaccine on their computer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That makes it way easier. That makes it way easier. I get DDoS. That makes sense to me. I get it, and mainly because I've played in lobbies where I've been DDoS while playing video games. So, like, I get disconnected from the server because the server can't handle me being there. Yep. And I can't reconnect, which means my I'm still in that game because the server hasn't recognized that I've left. It has not gotten my information from my system saying I've left. Yeah. So I'm still in that game. So whoever, whoever did the DDoS attack is now in there with a bunch of just standing still easy to kill people they just run run around find everybody they can kill as many as they can and they win the game without fighting anyone yes and i've actually seen ddos services for hire uh through the russian search engine yandex um that are as low as like five dollars for for you know 10 huh. or 15 minutes as long as it would take you to win a match and you said you found it in y- yandex <laughs> <laughs> if you want to hire a cybersecurity criminal it is so easy if you just don't use Google or Bing, you use any other nation's uh, default search engine like Yandex, and you can see what all of the hackers who are working against you, uh, what what their ecosystem looks like. Interesting. And it's just Yandex.com? <laughs> You're close. I... Oh, Yandex.com. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Understood. It's the Russian one. So DDoS is one form of network threat out there what other network threats we got yeah so if you're not the e-commerce business that needs the website to stay online um you're thinking about things that are going to uh steal data network leviathan he's got a lot of hands he's gonna reach in and take your data no no nope that's uh just a recurring theme that you're afraid of okay cool can we go ahead and just roll that clip yeah let's do it Nate, we've got uh, a treat today. We've got Trefinia Flynn-Salzman here with us. She helps out the government with a lot of their network security concerns. She can tell to us a little bit more about that here in a minute. Uh, Trefinia, thank you so much for spending some time with us here to talk about network security. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, there's nothing I would want to do more. Yeah, I wholeheartedly believe that. Yeah, I'm serious. Except maybe plant that plant and paint that kitchen. I'll do it tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> Or t- tonight, later tonight. Uh, so um, we're trying to run through this pretty quickly here. Mm-hmm. If if you had just a couple of minutes to, uh, 
What do you What do you want to do? What do you want to talk about? Let's talk about uh, network security in the cloud and what that looks like. Okay, yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking uh, because I think it looks completely different. Well, okay. some aspects we can talk about that. So help me understand, like. Um, Last last time we were together on the podcast, we talked about mm-hmm. um, the role of firewalls and IDS and um, IPS, yeah, and how that's important for a, a group of computers that are all next to each other. How does network security look any different if the stuff that you're now having your computers reach out to aren't on your network? Yeah. So with cloud security, all it is it's just renting space on someone else's data center mm-hmm. or not cloud security, but using cloud. Um, with network security, the responsibility will shift. So if you're using, depending on what service you're using, uh, like software as a service, you're going to have the least amount of responsibility. So you're going to be looking at access controls or audit logging um, specific to your application. If so you- so like some SaaS applications, software as a service applications that I might use yeah, QuickBooks, if I go yeah, to quickbooks.com QuickBooks to log in. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, uh, yeah or like um, Office 365, yes. those kinds of ones. Yep. Well, anything that I'm really like, mm-hmm. in most cases, if I'm using a web browser to get to it, yeah. that's software as a service. Yes, and those are hot, hot, hot right now. Hot, hot. Yeah, hot, hot. 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 <laughs> uh, you said that I needed to worry about access controls and application logging yes talk to me about what that means yes access controls so it's making sure who has who has the right access to the right data so for example there's you and another employee maybe you want to have access to the finances Mm -hmm. part of your business and that's in quickbooks online but maybe you want your contractor your employee to have access to uh the invoices so that they can do the billing yeah yeah Um, and there that's a separation of duties there yeah i feel like access controls is is tricky to talk about Mm. when you're talking about how you define appropriate access but as soon as you start talking about inappropriate access all of a sudden it clicks yes um yeah when your example about quickbooks if you had if you just gave everybody access to everybody who works for you, mm-hmm. access to be able to log into your QuickBooks and see your all the balances that are there, all the money in, all the money out, all the salary information, all mm-hmm. of your costs and expenses. Well, that sure feels inappropriate. It, yeah, it sure does. Right. So yeah. if if everybody <laughs> should have access, right? Who who are the bodies that should have access? Yeah, and that's I think where it gets sticky because sometimes uh, people and business owners have a hard time articulating that because mm. then they're like, well, maybe Susie needs access to that. You know, I've known her for 20 years right. and blah, 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 you know. Or what happens if I'm not available right. and a thing needs to get happen? Yeah. Exactly. So it kind of gets a little, you're right, it can get sticky. But it's super important to have those controls in place because one of the top uh, like cloud security issue threats, I guess, is misconfiguration of the cloud. Mm. And I think access controls, you can roll that into that. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any tips for making access controls easy. Yeah, I'd, I'd say don't overcomplicate it. Hmm. Um, like thinking about if you have like a five person shop, um, just write down on a piece of paper, okay, this is Joshua Sitta, this is what he does on a day-to-day basis. Don't overthink it. I, I don't think that's 
that's really necessary. I think for a small business, it's a little bit easier to do that. Mm -hmm. But then you look at the enterprise and that's where it could get complicated. Yeah, imagine writing down mm -hmm. all the access that every person and, uh, you know, if you got you got 3,000 people that you're supporting. Oh my word, yes. Yeah, that's a big mess to untangle. It's a it, big mess. And they move from department to department. Yes. You got a whole group of people who are keeping up with mm -hmm. how people's access has to change. Yep based on their job title or mm -hmm. based on their function or based on really based on their need. Yes. And that's where, it, I mean, we could keep going down this rabbit trail, but that's where the identity and access management comes in. But we'll be talking about identity management at a different date. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but what we're saying is true is that one yeah. piece of security kind of bleeds over into the next yes, piece of security. It really does. And mm -hmm. that's with, um, so back to network security. Right. So software as a service that's kind of the security for that. Then you have platform as a service and infrastructure as a service. So then you're moving, you're shifting the responsibility um, back onto the cloud service provider where uh, the networking, it, it lands on the cloud service provider's responsibility. So in order to keep whatever data I have safe up there, I'm just trusting that yeah. the cloud application, wh whoever that is, Right. They're just, they're. They're doing the right things when it comes to network security. Mm -hmm. And how you can confirm that is through your contracts, through um, service level agreements and through the contract between you and that cloud service provider, which this is a sticky, this can be sticky, yeah. right? Because you want to use Office 365 mm -hmm. or Google Apps, but, and they probably, they have a canned contract. Yeah. So how do you, as a business owner, get more, get that uh, that teeth that you might need? Yeah. It's uh, interesting. Let's say there's something that I, I don't like in a contract. Right. Let's say, first of all, that I'm the kind of business that reviews all of the, all the terms in a contract before I sign it. Mm -hmm. I Good gotta, job. I got to imagine that's yeah. not common. Right, but you definitely do that. I do that. Yeah, you do. Um, but but let's say that there's something I don't like there. Now it's up to it's up to me to convince whoever I'm going into business with yeah. legal department, right? Experts, yes, in law, in law, <laughs> yeah. of which I don't really have any business, right? Right. How, my challenge now is to fight. A, a legal gambit that I don't know any, I don't know the rules yeah, to that game. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's kind of the, I don't, the sticky side of cloud, the dark side of cloud, mm -hmm. you know, is is that part because you want to use these applications. They're, you're almost being forced to move towards it mm. if you want to stay relevant and innovative. Um, and yet you're having, you may be making these compromises on the legal side. Yeah, I know there's a lot of businesses who uh, businesses are starting to accept the cloud, right? Um, at a, mm -hmm. at a much greater rate than they were. Yeah, but I know there were a lot of businesses who said, you know, if if I'm not in control of it, I don't trust it. Yes, um, they closed off. Closed off. Yeah, to the yeah. world, like literally, uh -huh. they have closed off. And you feel like you've got some security that's been added in because mm -hmm. you've got your this is my network. Yeah. I own this network. Yeah, I control it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but one of the, uh, one of the things that I think that businesses have done either intentionally, well, either intentionally 
or unintentionally, <laughs> yeah, um, is they've started to pull off functionality that you'll see yes. in the version that can just run on your network. Yes. If you want all the features, you got to use the subscription-based uh -huh. cloud application. Yeah. Yeah. They're so putting you in a corner. They're putting baby in a they're corner. Putting baby in a corner. <laughs> yeah. It's not right. No one puts baby in the corner. Mm -hmm. I've heard. But. <laughs> uh, but now, yeah. What do you, What are you to do if you need whatever those extra functions are? Yeah. That sounds like an opportunity for a small business out there to create something. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a lot of work. It does. <laughs> it is. A, yeah, it would be a lot of work to do that. Um, okay, so access controls, um, looking at your contracts. Mm -hmm. I got to imagine after you've signed that contract, you don't have a lot of sway in changing terms after the agreement is made, right? Right. Um, maybe on a yearly basis, mm -hmm. but I would imagine or I've seen once those contracts have been set, then that's it. Yeah, so you really have to, you really have to, if, you, if you've never thought about this before, your cloud security, you have to make a decision that from this point forward, I'm yes. going to start reviewing those contracts. Right. Yeah. And then hopefully over time, mm -hmm. you can kind of take control of mm -hmm. some of your security. What you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. That's for sure. So vendor contracts and access controls. Um, anything else we need to keep in mind when we're talking about cloud security? Um, I'm thinking about like so, uh, platform as a service and infrastructure as a service. Platform as a service is where you are actually using the operating system and mm -hmm. you're renting the hardware. Um, and then you are putting, you know, whatever operating system you want on that device. I'm trying to think if you need, uh, even then the network security is on the cloud service provider at that point as well. The infrastructure of us as a service you know, you might have a little bit of responsibility in that. I'm just kind of talking this through. Yeah, so I, I would think that um, with platform and infrastructure, you're you're not as much on Rails, right? right. So if, yeah. if they're delivering software to you, yeah, that it does one thing: it's purpose built. Mm -hmm. Platform and infrastructure as a service; those are both made to have um, to to be flexible and allow you to do all kinds of different things. Yeah, which means. You were talking about how misconfiguration of cloud applications yes. is one of your top threats mm -hmm. when you use cloud. Um, well, that means the way that you use the platform or infrastructure, it really is on you. Yep. And it really means that you need to make smart decisions about <laughs> how you go through with that. Yes. If you're a business owner and you've never heard platform as a service or infrastructure as a service, mm -hmm. the good news is you're probably not using it. Yeah, that's um, very true. And and if you if you are in some kind of a small business where you're you're starting to to stretch out into those areas, you just have to get an expert on your side. Yeah, with with something like that, and platform as a service, it's typically used by developers mm -hmm. um, that are creating software. Then they can have multiple operating systems and be and they be they can test <laughs> their application that they're developing on those different operating systems. Mm -hmm. So that's typically where you see platform as a service. Um, yeah. Um, we, we talked about it for a minute with, with Nate and I, uh, but I'm not sure if that will make it into the podcast since we're kind of creating some room for, for this conversation. conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but we talked briefly about uh, DDoS attacks and how, um, if you've got a a, a website a website that's hosted somewhere out there, um, then you know an army of c 
computers or IoT devices, mm-hmm. uh, you know, security cameras, anything that's connected to the internet can all be directed to reach out to your website at the same time yeah. and pull it offline. Um, the the security control that we use for that is called a content delivery net- network. Oh, um, yeah. Or, CDN. Or, right, yeah, yeah. CDN. Or a, um, in some cases, you'll use a web application firewall for that. Yep. Or, or a WAF. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of cases, those two, are, they work so closely together that um, they're integrated. That, yes. That one subscription to a purpose-built software-as-a-service application mm-hmm. um, gives you access to both uh, of those features. Yeah. That's pretty interesting, all, all of it, and making sure the cloud mm-hmm. and network, it's all related mm-hmm. is what it comes down to. What you were saying, it bleeds over to the next. It completely does. Yeah. Um, do you have any, uh, any like, make sure you make sure your business is doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Do you have any of those kinds of tips? Yeah. Just in the can? Just in the, um, so for, yes, just real specific, if I could get really specific here mm-hmm. for cloud security, um, Dropbox, Box, those types of application, if you're sending a link to your customers, make sure there's an expiration on those links. Yeah, okay, so like with a file sharing. Yes. However you're sending big files today. Yes. One way you That's can do that. That's very specific. Yeah. But easy fix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and and the alternative is, like, if I create that link and I, I, I share a, a folder with a client for forever, mm-hmm. what, what am I afraid of happening? It never expires. Mm-hmm. So you're just susceptible to whoever could access that link. Just staying it's, out it's there just open. It's like the doors sure. wide open to mm-hmm. the front of your house, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. And you're saying, whoever wants to come can come. And I, um, so on that note, I've also seen where uh, setting an expiration date is a, is a great idea. Yeah. Um, if you're using Office 365, I don't know if you know this, you can, you probably know this. I, in fact, I know you know this because you wrote <laughs> the- I wrote the thing for it. Yeah. Yeah. The implementation guide for it. Um, <laughs> you can actually set like a default- Mm-hmm. If you're sharing externally, here's how long yes. it, it will it will take before it expires. Uh-huh. Um, another thing is that I see a lot of businesses who they want to make getting getting whatever they are sharing to their customer easy. Mm-hmm. So they will create a link, they'll spin up a uh, you know a Google Drive for it or something, and they will create a link that anybody from anywhere, as long as someone has the, the link. link, they yeah. can access that directory Mm -hmm. the issue is that's fine for your customer right yeah probably nobody is going to figure out what that special link is right however i've seen people not realize that there's more (laughs) recipients that they intended to be in that email or you know they accidentally they they forward an old conversation on Mm -hmm. to a friend and that's got that link to their you know whatever critical data you've you've Mm -hmm. now shared out there exactly if you can put, if, if you can, instead of just making it available to everybody, yeah. if you can make it available to a specific individual mm-hmm. um, or a specific domain, a, a business, that's... You would be better off. You're going to be better and off. And it's very, it's real easy. I mean, it takes one second, mm-hmm. maybe two, yeah. to type in the person's name. Mm-hmm. Well, probably just the first letters and yeah. it'll populate. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that would be pretty easy. I'd say that's a quick win. That falls under the misconfiguration of cloud. Mm-hmm. So just 
things like that. And you can log into any of your cloud applications and go through, um, or you can hire someone to do that because it can be a little overwhelming and you may not understand what each, because each setting has a, uh, what's the thing that comes after? Effect. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah, you're, yeah. you're totally right. Um, yeah, if you just yeah. start clicking around in the oh, settings. Oh, my word. Yeah, you don't want to break things. Yeah. Or at least, yeah. If you're setting it up for the first time, yeah. if you've never- Oh, that's you, even better. Yeah. That's super nice. If if when you're setting up a new service, a new uh, software that you're using, yeah. if you'll configure it as securely as you think you can, mm -hmm. even if you're a little bit out of your element where you're not sure what all the terms mean, it's okay because you're not going to- Yeah. There's no expectation. Aren't, they're not using it yet. Yeah. Right? There's no expectation. It's, yeah clean slate mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, make all your mistakes right in the beginning that's right and then you can kind of pair back yeah from there exactly um I, I think that that is a lot of security in general um it's a lot of these like little simple wins these mm -hmm. these these little it takes you an extra second to configure it this way yeah but you stack all those little wins on top of each other and now you're really taking a big bite out of um, yeah you know your your cybersecurity risk. Mm -hmm. Well, I love what you have said in the past is um, you've talked about small businesses or businesses and you've said that if they are not seeing changes, if there's not that friction, then you as a business owner kind of have an inkling that they're not really doing security. Yeah. You know, we just we just had a conversation with somebody who's exactly in that position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his story is that He's he he has been using uh you know somebody for for just his IT needs, mm -hmm. and uh, a while ago he he had a he got hacked, and some money was was stolen, and he went back to the IT company, mm -hmm. and of course they weren't liable for any of his loss, but he was like, hey man, how did this happen? How can we make sure that it never happens again? Right. And they said, oh well, there's this other service that mm -hmm. we can also provide you. Yeah. And for this small upcharge, now we can you know, yeah. better secure you. Mm -hmm. But when cybersecurity is an add-on. Right, it's an afterthought. Uh-huh. After being the key word there. Mm-hmm, yep. <laughs> After the attack. <laughs> yes. So this happens two more times with two different kinds of attacks, mm -hmm. and the business owner keeps coming back to that company and saying, hey, again, Yeah. I, I thought we talked about this already, but how do we make sure this never happens again? Right. And they kept using it as... Uh, a yeah. sales opportunity right well if you'll just pay for the pro Ooh. version if you'll just pay for this yeah. extra package so um yeah anyway you want to you want to try to build that um you want to figure out how you can increase the security right. without disrupting business yes and there is a way to do it mm -hmm. right whenever you deliver someone bad news which security doesn't have to be bad news but just in a conversation and you're or I'm reading Crucial Conversations right now. Oh, yeah. Yes, and every Crucial Conversation is an opportunity. So whenever you're delivering bad news to someone, there is a way to deliver it in a way that, yes, there will be some friction, but at the end of it, you're gonna be stronger. And that's the same as it relates to security. Yeah. There is a way to deliver security. It is gonna have some friction. I mean, we're not completely naive here. We know the realities of making things more secure can cause some friction, mm -hmm. but you can do it in a way where it's valuable to your customers and to and, and to make you as 
the security company or whoever you are uh, make you feel better too. We were just talking with someone about our response time and how quick our response time is. And uh, they asked me how we were able to, to, to respond as quickly as we do. And I was like, well, we cheat. <laughs> because when we make a change and we know there's going to be an impact, yeah. even if we don't know there's an impact That's a lot true. of times, yeah. we just show up. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're already there. We're like, hey. <laughs> Ready to go. So yeah, the response yeah. time is easy because we're already, we already on site. Made, yeah. We, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's very true because you may, and I think that's kind of falls into IT. Uh, when I worked on the help desk, I that was one of my differentiating factors was I did, a, I mean, I messed some stuff up. I'm going to be yeah. honest. Um, I kind of fell into figuring some things out. Yeah. But the key was I would follow up with the customer every single time. Yeah. And so they perceived me as this super smart person which I am, which I am now, <laughs> now that I've read a bunch of books, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but at the time I was 17, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying to learn as much as I could, but the key was that I followed up. Yeah, people mm -hmm. want that outcome. Yes. Right? Yeah. And if if you're gonna make things more secure so that I don't have a loss down the line, that's the outcome that I want. Right. If I have to, if I gotta sit with you for 15 minutes to figure out my multi-factor and right. come up with a new process for logging in, mm-hmm. I'm willing to do that because I want that outcome. Yeah. But if I have to get surprised by all of a sudden nobody can log in because multi-factor has suddenly been turned yeah. on, well, mm, there needs to be that follow through. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. kind of definitely leaves you feeling a certain way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you want to get out of here or do you want to talk about Zero Trust, ATARC, what you're doing oh, with the... Uh... Um, let's, yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. So with... Uh, Zero Trust, the executive order dropped May 12th, I think it was, um, by President Biden. And in that executive order, he goes into the conversation of having a Zero Trust architecture plan. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, it's requiring agencies to have multi-factor authentication turned on, as well as some encryption stuff. Um, that Zero Trust architecture plan, I am... Uh, so I do cybersecurity during the day and cybersecurity at night. Mm -hmm. During the day, I'm working for a government agency, working on some zero trustee, all that kind of stuff. And then at night, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Citadel. So during the day, I'm working on this ATARC uh, um, panel, this zero trust working group. And I'd say we're doing some really cool stuff. Yeah. So if you are a government agency listening, feel free to reach out um, and just Google ATARC and they have the working groups right there. But what we're going through, I'm excited about this because a lot of times working groups just have papers, like white papers is mm -hmm. the result. And I don't really, I mean, they're okay, but we need some action in place. Yeah. So we have partnered with other vendors um, as well as our government agencies. The government agencies have defined what zero trust means for the agency mm -hmm. and then what the requirements are. So for networking, we have micro segmentation put in there. Right. We have SD-WAN put in there. We have um, other items put in that. And so we created this rubric, which we will bring to all different types of vendors, and they are going to be um, putting their solution in a lab so that oh, we right can on. actually see what that means. And then the rubric also helps us kind of figure out, uh, okay, this 
vendor is only identity and that's fine but mm-hmm. that's the identity piece and so it gives the agencies the opportunity to be able to create this zero trust architecture from the top yeah so it's really neat that's awesome yeah um the atarg working group is that you have to be a uh, government agency yeah in order to be on those meetings Calls, or anything? i believe so i believe so um the vendors i think you have to reach out if that's something if you're fed ramped um meaning you're certified to do work with the government i believe you can get into that group as well through that avenue so if i'm a small business owner i can't use that as a resource to not yet not yet um stuff will be recorded Mm -hmm. so i believe after we go through it you can go onto the ATARC website and look at it. I'll have to double check with ATARC, but um, it's a really cool uh, what we're doing there. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you want to talk more about Zero Trust or networking, network security, you can always reach out to us at Citadel Podcast. That's yeah. on Twitter. Um, we've also got a um, an email account that we use to field questions. That's ask at citadel.com, A-S-K at citadel.com. You can check out our website. Um, that's probably where you found this this podcast anyhow, but that's S-I-T-T-A-D-E-L.com. And um, I'm, and then, then we, we said the words that end the... Hey!